0: The Finley Toyota Studio. It's Colefield and Company.
1: They're right back on it. Herbert under center. Eckler takes the handoff. Lowers the shoulder. There we go. Touchdown Chargers. Austin Eckler for the
0: second time today. Slam that door shut. It's time for Colefield and Company. On ESPN, Las Vegas.
1: Tuesday afternoon, Cofield and Company, Adam's Family Edition, Adam Hill, the Finley Toyota Studios with Ari, Adam Candy, Steve Cofield is in California, eventually, finally, after being caught like so many of you out there, Adam, I'm assuming most of the people listening to us today
2: are refugees from (laughs) Southwest Airlines. Uh, I believe so, I think they're streaming it through the airport. Uh, so that people that are stuck there can just listen throughout the concourses over at Harry Reid International. It's it's a mess. Uh, I almost, because I love just disaster scenarios so much, uh, and I think this is something we've talked extensively about here on the show, I nearly went over there. I, I wanted to go to the airport to just kind of roam around and check it out.
1: Yeah, no. Your morbid curiosity is well documented, sure. and and I think that the reason you want to stream Cofield and Company into that morbid area is that if you're not already angry enough at Southwest Airlines, we can give you plenty of stupidity to be mad at here, right? That's that's pretty much uh, pretty much what we do.
2: It's uh, exclusive to our show, I think. That's that's, that's, that's that's what we do. Let's hit the three. That's our domain.
0: It's the three on Cofield and Company. Oh, uh,
1: but buddy, there's no anger. In, in Los Angeles, what what's to be angry about? Just as everyone predicted, the season has worked out exactly as everyone said for the Los Angeles Chargers, and here they are in the playoffs after yet another absolute gem of a game on, uh, on Monday Night Football against the Nick Foles Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Adam, the... Chargers are in. Obviously, I'm being quite tongue-in-cheek about how they got there. Lots of predictions of grandeur for the Chargers in terms of what they were going to do in terms of dominating the AFC, and that did not come to pass. But you know what? They're in. They're getting healthier, and I don't know. At least Justin Herbert makes them interesting.
2: Yeah, I think that's the thing about the Chargers, right? I mean, all the... You know, certainly all the the predictions about the division being one of the best ever uh, have gone up in flames through a lot of uh, Russell Wilson incompetence and uh, Raiders just kind of laughable performances. But the Chargers were a team that I think a lot of people expect to do very well. i certainly thought uh, that they'd be better uh, than their record is right now, but injuries took a real toll on this team. They decimated them and in the last couple of weeks. They've started to look very dangerous now. You know, the the game uh, two games ago against Tennessee, I'm still not sure exactly what they were doing. And, you know, they didn't exactly uh, put up like 800 yards of offense last night against a bad Colts team. But they're finding ways to win. They're certainly better defensively than they were early in the year as they get a little bit healthier. The offensive line is getting healthier. Justin Herbert's not throwing for touchdowns, but he's been very efficient in moving the ball down the field. Like this is a team that I think could be dangerous. and and is probably playing better uh, at this point of the season and probably putting some fear into teams as they get ready to approach the playoffs. Uh, But as as well as I think they played overall last night, just a solid performance, nothing great. I do think the bigger takeaway was just how bad the Colts are and what a disaster Jeff Saturday has been.
1: It has been abysmal to to watch this team and to hear that, Nick Foles was starting because they don't want to risk Matt Ryan getting injured and (laughs) owing him a bunch of guarantees next year. You've basically told the entire locker room, if we owe you any money, you can kiss our ass because we are going to make the decision that we have to make when it comes to finances over what's for the good of the team. I mean, there's one thing to tank, and then there's the other thing to basically tell everybody, yo, we're quitting on you,
2: (laughs) so feel free to quit on us. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's essentially what's been said. But I, I go back to, you know, when they hired Jeff Saturday, when they made this announcement, the cynic, and I tend to be cynical. No. I uh, know, yeah, it's shocking, breaking news. Uh, the cynic would say they did that to lose games. Like, the reason they put Jeff Saturday in there was to lose. And it kind of has worked. Now, somehow, some way, they won one. Forget who that was against. Hmm. Uh, they did win one. <laughs> They did win a game.
1: They did win one. I, uh, right, I can't yeah. remember.
2: Uh, I think it was the Raiders. But, you know, other than that, it's kind of worked to perfection, right? I mean, they've lost the games that they need to lose. They need to, you know, they need to to put themselves in a position to not win games, and they've done that. So I guess on that level, if that was what they were doing, if that was the grand plan, I guess this has worked. But in any other measure, it's been a complete failure. To put... Nick Foles in
1: there instead of Sam Ellinger this past week was really what was the chef's kiss <laughs> on the whole thing because you could at least sell to everybody. oh we still want to see what we have with Sam Ellinger. He's had a couple of decent games. No, I mean he really hasn't had a couple of decent games. But yeah, the Jeff Saturday thing has been uh, has been quite a disaster. We're going to talk a little later in the show. Um, in fact, in just a few minutes, about what we think is the absolute worst of the open head coaching jobs, and man, with what you've seen out of the Colts this year, it has to at least be within the discussion, but we're not quite there yet. Um, (laughs) Thursday night, Adam, down in Orlando, and who wouldn't want to spend their Thursday night in Orlando, uh, Oklahoma and Florida State in the Cheez-It Bowl. Yes. Cheez-It Bowl.
2: Uh, not quite the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, but the Cheez It Bowl. I notice you're saying "it." That's a th- that's not the usual. I don't think people usually say "it." They usually throw the S on there. Okay. Well, <laughs> let me just uh, let me just talk about my
1: my need for accuracy. I have a coffee mug that says I'm silently correcting your grammar because I want guests in my home to know they're being judged at all times. Sure. Um, a Cheez It Bowl representative told. Carter Carell's last night that there is no such thing as Cheese Its. One Cheese It is a Cheese It. Two or more Cheese It are called Cheese It Crackers,
2: not Cheese Its. Uh, I'm sure like you, uh, this is one of my favorite stories of the day. I love this. First of all, I, I I'm I'm sorry to the Cheese It representatives. Kind of a trash cracker
1: uh greed and i know you probably think that's a hot take for some out there but (laughs) cheese it's intensely overrated yeah
2: it's it's not it's not good there's nothing redeeming about the cheese it cracker give me a give me a cracker with like a you know a little slice of cheddar cheese on it before i'm doing a cheese it cracker for sure maybe even oh man like a cheddar and pepperoni on a cracker delicious a cheese it cracker not good and by the way just because of this, because you make a trash product – they're not sponsors of this show, are they? Because you make not a anymore. trash product, I'm going to call you Cheez-Its. They, I,
1: you do it. You, you call you call them Cheez-Its, and you call them Cheez-Its for this alone. Uh, when we had to endure years of that screaming block of cheese in the football locker room <laughs> that theoretically was advertising for cheez it <laughs> crackers – We earn the right to call them whatever we want for suffering through years of that advertising campaign. So you're welcome for your free pop. And by the way, to that cheese it representative that you mentioned earlier, Adam, I just want to offer my career coaching advice. Whatever has led your path in public relations from wherever you thought you were going to be to cheese it crackers, I'm sorry, because I guarantee you didn't wake up as like a 12-year-old kid and think, you know what, mommy? I'm going to be working for Cheez-It, and I'm going to yell at
2: reporters about an S. No. First of all, I feel like you you grew up dreaming of working for Wheat Thins, and then you get stuck <laughs> You get stuck in a Cheez-It. A far superior or, cracker. Or Ritz. I mean, Ritz is obviously the, the class of the cracker category, uh, unless you want to include a, a graham cracker, which is obviously the best of the cracker. Uh, uh, but I, I also, I feel like this is, if you want to take it to that level of this guy and his job... I feel like he's doing a great job. Nobody would talk about cheese it or cheese it crackers or cheese it's being incorrect if he didn't make this big statement. Like this was a good move on his part to get a lot of national attention because I feel like everyone just says cheez it's hey yo pass those cheez yeah, it's
1: yeah that's what pe- people
2: say. So to to make this whole statement and to set the internet ablaze today. It's ablaze. That was flaming cheese. That's a good move. This guy might he might get the call. I mean, he might move up to cookies. Woo-hoo-hoo!
1: Milano's are coming for you, buddy.
2: You are going to get your bacon (laughs) saved. Slow down. It's more of a a chips ahoy.
1: Maybe you start start, uh, with the chips ahoy or the the EL fudge. All right, so as we're talking about wide selections and opportunities here, sir, just your quick thoughts on this, because we're going to talk to Chad Brown from Denver here in just a few minutes. But right now, we know for sure Panthers, Broncos, Colts, are jobs where we do not have a guaranteed head coach for next season. What's the worst job right here, right now?
2: Oof. I mean, I think it's gotta be it's gotta be Broncos.
1: I think so. the, the, the Russell Wilson situation is absolutely fascinating. The Panthers at least have a defense that you can start to build on, and the expectations with the Colts I think are going to be lower than they are with Russell Wilson in the fold. We're gonna talk to Chad Brown from Denver about it in just a moment here on Cofield
0: and Company. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co.
3: Everybody's frustrated. That was a bad game. Embarrassing game. It's the first one that we've had like that. And so I know everybody's frustrated. We address it. We've talked about all those things. Talked with Randy. Talked with all those guys. And we can't show our frustration.
0: we got to take
1: our frustrations out on the field the right way.
0: Now... Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. It's
1: the voice of former Denver Broncos coach Nathaniel Hackett on the way back in here on Cofield Company on your Tuesday afternoon. I'm here with Adam Hill, Adam Candy, Ari as well. I would think that George Payton, general manager of the Broncos and Broncos ownership, did not agree with the statement that this is the, quote, first one of those types of games for the Broncos this year maybe that is lopsided <laughs> as it was but certainly not the only underwhelming performance we saw out of the Broncos Chad Brown former three-time Pro Bowl linebacker in the NFL does sports talk on 104.3 the fan in Denver joins us to talk a little bit more about what's next for the Broncos what's next for Russell Wilson um,
4: Chad welcome uh, happy holidays good to have you in Yes, happy holidays to you guys as well. Thanks for for having me on. Um, (laughs) Yeah, let's start right there. No, just start with that laugh. That's exactly it. I'm already laughing because this crew, Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett, have been trying to sell us stuff all season long that just didn't line up with reality. Uh, Earlier this year, both Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett, for weeks, we're talking about almost touchdowns, as if it was an actual NFL stat. You know, we had four almost touchdowns. What the heck is that? So, if you're inventing bad games or the number of bad games and inventing new NFL stats, uh, yeah, it's been a bad season. It was an awful season for the Broncos, and we all knew Nathaniel Hackett was going to be fired. Just, just was a matter of when.
1: Almost touchdowns feels like when your kids tell you they're five and a half years old, right? No, you're either five or you're six. Like You're, you're either pregnant or you're not. You either got a touchdown or, or you didn't, uh, Chad. And as, as a defensive player for your whole career, what what are you thinking if you're on the defensive side of the ball living through this all year, especially with a defense as good as the Broncos
4: have been? Uh, obviously, it would be frustrating. You know, I was a part of some Pittsburgh Steelers teams. Um, well, we weren't very uh, potent on offense. So we won a lot of games, 14-9, 17-14, games like that. And the margin for error is very slim. And at some point, um, if the offense doesn't begin to hold up their end of the bargain, as the Broncos offense has not all year, the cracks begin to show. So while statistically the Broncos defense was actually very good, in critical moments uh, with you know the game on the line, the offense actually gave the defense the lead. Late in the ball game. It happened a couple of times this year and a couple of times last year under Vic Angio. The defense wasn't able to hold up. And I think that's a product of being asked to maintain that razor's edge of sharpness and there is no margin for error. So in those critical moments, they just did not have enough bandwidth to go out there and get to stop and win the ball game.
2: So there's so many things to dissect about what went wrong here. Uh, Certainly on the field is easy to watch and just see how how bad things were. But let's go back to kind of the beginning and them basically letting Russell Wilson just set his own rules. Like team three comes in and takes over. They've got the entire parking lot to themselves. Like it seems like a, a crazy situation. How much did that set a bad tone for the season just right away?
4: Well, I did a coaching internship in Seattle. So when we signed Russell Wilson, uh, I was the guy on the radio saying, hey, it's exciting. I understand it presents some great opportunities and possibilities. But there was a reason why you know he in he Seattle didn't get along, huh. whether it was teammates in the locker room, whether it was the entitled kind of things that you're talking about. Those showed up very early here in Denver. There's players who have been on the squad for a long time whose wives parked in the same spot in it, before every home game. Well, now those spots were given to part of Russell Wilson's team. Uh they needed six rooms on the road for this team three step. And it just sets an ugly precedent and it's a slippery slope where a coach can begin to lose the locker. And we all recognize that the quarterback is a special position, but that guy should not be treated specially. He should needs to be one of the guys. It can't be fifty-two guys and plus Mr Special over here who gets to do whatever he wants and his crew and his wife and everything else gets to do what they want. We've all got to have some level of, of we're all in this together and that was lost very, very early for the Broncos with all the extra stuff that comes from Russell Wilson, but also lost very early for the Broncos was Nathaniel Hackett, uh, thinking that he knew the NFL better than long-established coaches. Andy Reid played Patrick Mahomes in the preseason because he recognizes he needs to get this team sharp and ready for the regular season. Uh, Mike Tomlin out in Pittsburgh, every time the Steelers wore pads this year in training camp, they tackled to the ground during training camp to get their guys ready. Coach Hackett said, I'm not doing any tackling. We're not going to play any guys in the preseason. We're going to do two days of work and have one walkthrough day after that. So the fact the hubris and the ego that somehow you as a first-time coach know better than all these other more established coaches in the league was just shocking to me. And, of course, the results being what they were, lined up with my expectations of, you don't get a football team ready. Guess what? They're not going to be ready.
2: Well, I guess the, the next, as we start to turn the page, I mean, there's a lot to go over what went wrong, but going toward the future, when they start to think about a candidate, is this a good job? Because I think you're, it's going to pay a lot. The, the checkbook is open, we would think, with all the money in there, but you are tied to Russell Wilson for a while. There's not much you can do about it, and there's not many draft picks to try to salvage anything out of, so it's going to have to make a go with Russell Wilson. So is this a good job, and is this situation fixable?
4: Okay, uh, the Walton Printer Group is the richest owners in all professional sports. Um, so, tremendous pockets there. All they need is a, is a great day up on the stock market, and they can pay off Nathaniel Hackett's deal <laughs> in, in a couple of hours. So, th- that, that's definitely not a factor as far as paying Coach Hackett off, clearly, just one year, not even a full year, and bringing in a new coach. But to answer your question, no, this is not a good job. Because um, you're either forced to work with a quarterback who has proven now with two head coaches, he's really unwilling to buy into what they're selling. Uh, how many coordinators did they run through out there in Seattle? And we all thought, oh, it's a coordinator's fault. They're not allowing Russ to do what he wants. No, it's, now they've come to find out it's a Russ issue. You've got a quarterback who has not lost just a step, but I say two steps from a physical standpoint. And, oh, yeah, he's going to make a quarter billion dollars <laughs> on his contract. So, yeah, it's not a great situation. You got new ownership, coaches and ownership have to be on the same page uh, with the uncertainty of who Greg Penner is, is going to be as a, you know, acting as the ownership part of things. Um, that would make me uncomfortable as a head coach. Um, and then you've got a complete degradation of the once proud winning culture of the Broncos franchise that Pat Bowen established. It's been awful the last six or seven years since Peyton Manning was done um, quarterback after quarterback, coach after coach, no culture, no continuity, no no nothing that resembles the Broncos' proud days of the past. So, uh, in my opinion, this is the least attractive of all the potential openings in the offseason, mainly because of Russell Wilson, but also some other significant issues.
1: So it's the obvious question here as we talk to Chad Brown, uh, three-time pro bowler in the NFL, linebacker and radio host in Denver, about – Hackett and Wilson and you started to allude to it a little bit there talking about how Russell Wilson has lost a couple of steps but you also mentioned that Nathaniel Hackett in some ways was trying to reinvent the wheel so how do we from the outside try to separate out how much of this was Hackett how much of this was Wilson and who is the right person to try to fix it going
4: forward okay uh definitely blame to be shared no doubt about that um, but if you you know, if you wanna really boil it down, uh George Payton, general manager, said it's all on him today at the press conference. Um, you know, the, I'm not exactly sure if it was part of the Walton Penner group or if it was George Payton who pushed to get that contract done before the season started, before we had a chance to see who Russell Wilson was under Live Bullets, because as I just mentioned, those guys didn't play in the preseason. So you had no idea what you were getting yet they insist on giving this contract out. So you got the contract. Uh, at some point, Nathaniel Hackett, when he met with, with uh, George Payton, put his big book on the table. Every coach has a book of what their plans are going to be. What, what are we going to eat during training camp? What are the practices going to look like? Where are injured players going to be? Are they going to be off on the side? they Are going to be in the training room? All those details are gone over in the hiring process. So for uh, Nathaniel Hackett to, to tell George Payton, hey, I don't want to play any of these starters in the preseason. I want to have a very soft training camp. We're not going to tackle to the ground. We're only going to do one day of uh, scrimmaging with the Dallas Cowboys. This is what I want to do. George Payton checked off on all of that. Yet still he still got his job. So, you know, there's blame to be shared. Because even if you got crazy ideas, you would hope somebody else within the organization would pump the brakes for you a little bit and say, hey, I, I, I see what you want to do here, but maybe you put some skins on the wall and have some understanding of who this team is before you decide to give them, you know, camp club med and not real football camp. Uh, so that's to, to boil it down. Russell Wilson, certainly an issue. The the evolution of Russell Wilson's game was big time and evident from a physical standpoint and from a mental standpoint. But Coach Hackett certainly did not do a great job. He had to bring in another coach, Jerry Rossword, a couple of days into the season to get the operations of calling the play and getting the ball snapped before the play clock ran down, he had to bring in another coach who was on his couch at home <laughs> to get the most basic part of football done. In Pop Warner, they call plays, and kids can snap it in time. This NFL team could not do that. So uh, Nathaniel Hackett certainly does not escape uh, blame and, and scrutiny here.
2: So I guess when we if we talk specifics about where they go, I have to imagine with the deep pockets, they make a run, At Sean Payton, potentially, probably Jim Harbaugh, I would think, would be another hot candidate. But I had heard a few weeks ago that it was essentially Dan Quinn's job to lose in league circles. I mean, is that the case right now, especially Dan Quinn, who's kind of been around Russell a little bit in the past? Maybe he would know what he's getting into. Where are they going?
4: I I don't have a real insight as to where they're going, but when I hear these names, they're all for you know, uh, not necessarily logical reasons. Dan Quinn worked with Russell Wilson, therefore, he's going to be great for this job. Maybe that's why Dan Quinn didn't want the job last year (laughs) and wanted to stay in Dallas. because This is the opportunity I'm going to get as a head coach. I don't want to be with that guy because I know about that guy. Um, The Sean Payton thing. Oh, well, Drew Brees was a short quarterback, and Sean Payton helped Drew Brees be successful. It is clear this season that the Russell Wilson reimagined as Drew Brees being a pocket passer is not who Russell Wilson is. The Broncos were awful when they went with three wives. They were awful when they went with shotgun. So these reasons, quote-unquote, that people are pointing out these candidates, I can poke holes in those reasons within seconds. So, again, I'm not sure who it's going to be. It's probably going to be, you know, someone who they're going to have to overpay for. But, again, with all the question marks surrounding the quarterback, the organization, ownership, the, the, the lack of culture, all those kinds of things, I just know you're probably not going to get the candidate you want. Um, And if you do, it's going to be a ton of money, and he's going to come with all kinds of conditions. Why would I want to be the head coach here where there seems like the GM is only going to be here because the owner is brand new? This was a GM who gave Russell Wilson a quarter billion dollars and gave up all that trade uh, draft capital and players in what may be the worst trade in NFL history. And I got to report to that guy? Are you kidding me? I don't want that job.
2: Well, you already—you kind of already answered it, but let me just follow up directly. If you're a coach and you have been trying to get a job and you haven't been able to get one, and th- this is the first job you've been offered as a head coach, are you taking it, or do you think there's so so little chance to succeed that your career ends if you accept that job right now?
4: Now I know it's found a different owner uh, management than it was when Vance Joseph, my CU teammate at the University of Colorado, was head coach. Uh, but John Elway did not allow Vance to do what Vance needed to do. John Elway told Vance who to play <laughs> on Sunday. So if that kind of thinking is still existing in circles, then Eric B. Enemy, another one of my University of Colorado teammates, who clearly talks to Vance Joseph, why would he want this job, as desperate as Eric is, to become a head coach? If you can't run your system and, and play who you want to play on Sunday, then maybe it's ain't the job for you. I think there's going to be a lot of candidates who are going to fit in that category.
1: Chad Brown, great stuff. You can catch him on 104.3 The Fan in Denver. We appreciate your time, man, and uh, enjoy the rest of your holidays.
4: Well, you guys have a happy holiday as well. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting all season out here <laughs> in Denver once again.
1: Well, we know Raiders fans will enjoy every moment of it, not that they can't look <laughs> in the mirror themselves a little bit right now as well. Go Field & Company returns in just a minute.
0: Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All-Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All-Access on Twitter. They're yelling for some defense. And Henderson for the three. Here's a basket by Henderson. He is fun to watch. Now. Back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Get a little
1: action there from Scoot Henderson. Projected top NBA draft pick has been playing, although not for the last few weeks for G League at night, out at the DLC in Henderson. Tuesday edition of Cofield & Company, you've got Adam Candy and Adam Hill on the Adams Family Edition. Steve Cofield joins in the 5 o'clock hour from San Jose, where the Running Rebels are getting ready to start their Mountain West Conference season tomorrow night against the San Jose State Spartans. Adam, you hear that highlight there of, of Scoot Henderson. It's been almost six weeks since he took the floor and Among the potential injuries you could suffer, I I don't know that nasal fracture is one you ever want to hear. That sounds absolutely awful. Uh, That is the injury that he's been out with since November 18th. Report from Jonathan Gibney at ESPN saying, G League officials say he's being held out right now due to an abundance of caution as the risk of soft tissue damage is exponentially higher after suffering a concussion. Uh, Several NBA execs, said they don't believe he's going to play another game because he's going to be a top three pick in the draft regardless. Uh, Shockingly, G League Ignite officials, uh, I don't know if these officials were PR or ticket sales, said uh, Henderson is an elite competitor who refuses to entertain that type of discussion and will be back on the court soon. Adam, there's no reason for Scoot Henderson to get back on the court, is there? Why on earth would this kid risk what is a surefire NBA career at the age of 18 playing in the G League?
2: What are you talking about? He's an elite competitor.
1: Oh, that's right. Uh, in in the minors, he's got he's uh, an elite quote, minor league competitor.
2: He has quote an internal drive
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, quote competitive spirit.
1: Okay, the first one sounds like he's a computer. He's sure. got an internal drive. All right, uh, and then the spirit. Yes, we do. He's got spirit. How about you?
2: Take take that analytics
1: guy. Ooh, thank you, thank you. I don't have. Sorry, I don't have a. A purr. I don't have. I don't have a, a rating for his his spirit. Is that like school spirit that that, that, that Scoot Henderson has? <laughs> no, competitive. Ra raw ignite. I mean. I, I mean, listen, man. Uh, like, I, I get it that it's not quite the same as college. It's not quite the same as going out there in the pre-NIL days for, I don't know, a free bagel and an education to play for somebody else to make money off you before you get into the NBA, but. There isn't anyone on Earth who should be pressuring this kid to come back. And I saw in the story that you linked uh, from USA Today that uh, we had we had the typical anonymous exec weighing in, saying, "I wouldn't. I think that's a bad sign if he doesn't come back. I don't, I don't want a kid that doesn't participate. He's selfish. No, he's smart. He he's smart. He's smart to protect a draft stock that we've already seen. What is it exactly, Adam?" that they're going to see in the pre-draft process for a kid who ready went up against everyone's number one pick of the last 20 years in Wenbin and held his own.
2: Yeah, well, first, first, we've also seen, you know, we've seen these scenarios play out. I mean, Jaden Hardy played his way out of the top 10 uh, by having a somewhat disappointing season in the G League, and, um, you know, Shaden Sharp just said, nah, at college, and he was fine. So, like, the, the more you see somebody, the more flaws you find. I think that's pretty much the key or that's been the case throughout history in all sports in terms of drafting. Like you find things that you don't like the more you watch somebody. And so I would suggest the best thing to do is to not play. Now, he in the past has kind of cited Kobe and in, in the things the things that he said about you know competition and you know seeking it out and all of those things. I get that, but uh, I think you know protecting your draft stock when you've already earned it is probably the most important thing. And I wouldn't go now. I also am distracted right now because uh, you mentioned a breakfast food. Uh, you know the the breakfast pastry with a hole cut in the middle. What did. what did you call it? I called it a bagel. Yeah, that's correct. I think ninety nine point nine nine percent of the world says that. I was in an argument um, over Christmas holiday, and yes, these are the kind of things I argue about. Mm-hmm. Somebody says that the word is pronounced bagel.
1: Who is this person, and why do you choose to associate with them?
2: Wait, are Ari? You think it's bagel? Also, no no, 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 no. It's community from community. Did either of you guys watch the show at no. all? No. The girl, she like, it's like a bit, and she's like, "Yeah, bagel," and they're like, "Bagel, what is that?" And then they're like harassing her because it's like that's not how you say it. So. Yes, I guess a, there are. A people friend of then. mine believes it's bagel, and I don't know. I don't think he watches oh. Community. I don't think that's where he got it from. That's, but it was a very bizarre argument. And the, yes, the, again, like I said, those are the things that I do argue, argue well, about a, on a daily a, basis. I,
1: and it, does does he also believe that you spread cram chez on it?
2: No, he definitely says cheese. It's I'm sure.
1: Oh, cheese! It's <laughs> yeah. He's one of those people. Yes. We need to we need to get Carter Carells and the cheese it spokesperson <laughs> on this case immediately. We, you know? What else we need? We need to find out from an authority on such things as cheesy crackers like Darren Millard, what what he thinks about the whole thing. If you want to talk to Darren Millard about cheesy crackers, okay, wait, we can't have that happen uh, on air. Adam and I will handle that whole discussion. But if you would like to go to a Golden Knights game, now that we've got you covered for. We have tickets to see VGK, and you can win them here right now two tickets to the golden knights taking on the florida panthers be thursday january 12th at 7 p.m and if you don't win tickets you can get your tickets at axs.com golden knights against florida ari's got caller number seven right now 702-364-1100 702-364-1100
0: Join Cofield and company on Thursdays for the live 2-to-5 show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. During all NFL games this season, get 77-cent beers. It's Thursday Night Football at Silver 7's Flamingo and Paradise. They cannot get
3: control. Blues coming the other way. Under two minutes left in overtime. Tarasenko in. He shoots. Glove save! Thompson thought about rolling it back into play, but then thought better
0: now back to cofield and company in the Finlay toyota studio the voice of dan
1: duva on the vegas golden knights radio network as vgk on christmas eve stop me if you've heard this one before comes from behind in the third period ties it up wins in the shootout logan thompson keeps them in it there as he has done numerous times this year. Cofield and company here on your Tuesday with Adam and Adam and Ari. And the one and only Darren Millard, uh, pre- and post-game host on the Vegas Golden Knights TV broadcast. Of course, you can always catch him over on Fox Sports Radio as well on the Insider Show. We have a very important question for Darren to start this segment with that, Adam, you can't weigh in on this. Ari, you can't weigh in on this. Darren, are you ready? I normally uh, ease into it with frivolous
3: meandering but no if it's up to you then uh, I guess I have to go along with it.
1: Yeah um, and your passive aggression is noted and also celebrated <laughs> so okay so th- th- there's a very popular cracker out there that that is based on cheddar cheese. It is a little square quack cracker. Have you had one of these before? Rich crackers? Okay, that's a good guess, largely because we think those are superior to the crackers we're talking about. But uh, there Cheese is it? A, 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 there is the Cheez-It cracker, correct? Yes, yeah, okay. Cheez-It. Okay, what happened? What, what would you call a group of those if you had two or more of them? A handful? See? <laughs> this guy is a pro. This guy is he an is. absolute pro. He we, we heard from, uh, well, we, a lot of people out there heard from the official spokesperson for the Cheez-It company, that there is no such thing as Cheez Its. If you have two or more Cheez It crackers, they are just that Cheez It crackers. One is a Cheez It, two are Cheez It crackers. Yeah. But there's no such thing as Cheez Its. Are, are you here for this kind of pedantic nonsense? Hand me the Cheez It. It. I don't
3: know. <laughs> But what would you say to that? If you want me to hand you the box, what would you say to me?
2: I think our answer, Darren, is don't hand anything. They're gross. I don't want them. Fair.
3: Uh, you know what? I I gotta admit, every now and then, I grab it just because I need uh, I need some kind of substance you're... in me. I'm not proud of it every day, <laughs> but there is the odd moment where I'm like, this is the greatest thing on the planet.
2: You're a, you're a yeah. vile human being, Darren.
3: No, it's it's it's, it's shockingly that's yeah. not the first time I've been called that. But
2: but
1: it's been years since you were dating, Darren, so I understand that you probably haven't heard it recently. I understand. I
3: probably ate more since I've been married than I, just, <laughs> I was dating. That's the that sad part. You well, throw you throw a bit of peanut butter in there and you you know what I discovered? I got a stocky stuffer uh on the weekend was like little to-go packages of Jif peanut butter. Oh yeah. I didn't know they made those to-go. That, that is a life changer oh. because my family gets so mad at me because I leave half a cracker broken off inside the peanut butter, and they go to do their toast. <laughs> oh, my and God. Like, you this? are a
1: vile human being.
3: <laughs> yes, yes. But I discovered the to-go packages, and it's life changing for both myself and my family.
1: You, so, so this, these were obviously left to you by a very concerned family marriage therapist who is trying to save <laughs> yes. your family. That's... No, no, no. I prefer to look at it as trying
3: to save me half my house. Oh, fair, <laughs> fair, No, no <laughs> wonder you. I, I look at it as giving, still giving me access to the other end. Uh, well, the other wing of the house. Yes, yes. There you that's
1: go. that's that's kind of you. That, that's kind of you to look at it that way. Um, Golden Knights tonight are are they leaving the house? They're voluntarily, they're out of the house, they're in Los Angeles, they're taking on the LA Kings who are right behind them in the division, VGK coming off a couple of wins here. Uh, Darren, what did you make of the game against St. Louis and what do you think it means for them going forward here into LA tonight? Well, I bet that was part of the, one of
3: the stories of the season was that uh, performance against the St. Louis Blues is finding ways to pick up not just a point, but uh, two points and walk out of the building feeling really good. When you analyze their performance in one-goal games and then in overtime and or shootouts this year, they've been really successful in piling up those bonus points. And I'll look no further than the team that, uh, that we're going to watch tonight at Crypto.com, and that's the L.A. Kings, who don't have uh, a great record on that side of it when it goes beyond regulation, and that's the difference. The, the Golden Knights have five more wins than the L.A. Kings, The LA Kings have five bonus points in which they came out on the losing end uh, of games that went beyond regulation, and uh, that's the difference in uh, in being first and second by a five point margin. It's it's uh, it comes down to exactly that, and it's why Vegas missed out on the postseason last year was the record in those situations, and they've been found a way to correct it. I don't think there's anything strategically that's gone into it, other than they've had more of their star players available. Through the course of it, and they've come up big and, and got some uh, huge performances and some goals in the shootout, in particular, which they couldn't get last year. But uh, but uh, that's that that's what it uh, boils down to in the difference between these two teams. I mean, you, you go back to that last game the, before the Christmas break. If Vegas loses in regulation, the LA Kings win that night uh, in in a separate location. Uh, that that's a that's a one point game. Uh, right now, going into tonight. Instead, it's five, so uh, they've, they've been able to uh, capitalize on things, and they've got a bit of re- breathing room and a chance to make it even more.
2: It, how important are these arbitrary, I mean, I guess they're not arbitrary. We we use these time markers of, you know, where are you at Thanksgiving? Where are you at Christmas? Uh, where are you at these holidays along the way on the NHL schedule? Uh, it seems kind of cliche to me, but how important are they really to kind of measuring your team?
3: Well, Adam, you've been around the professional sports long enough to know that uh, it's uh, it's what you put into it in the sense of uh, Thanksgiving can mean a, a whole lot, or traditionally it can't mean uh, uh, anything. Uh, it, but the further you go along, they mean a lot more, uh, because you're getting closer to the end of the season, and you're either uh, piling up points and you're building a cushion, or you're running out of, of roadway. So uh, the, the exception was a year ago, when they were first place. Uh, Vegas, uh, just like they are right now, but ran out of gas after the All-Star game. Uh, Now, it's uh, a much different situation. That's with uh, all the injuries that they have uh, and they're suffering through right now, that they're nowhere near as decimated. And uh, they're they're much healthy in a much uh, fresher situation coming out of this Christmas break than they were last year, where it was just like, hold on uh, and take every game uh, as, as is, uh, and and roll your dice with it. So uh, I, I think it's I think it's arbitrary. But the further you go along, obviously it, it has a little bit more meaning because uh, of uh, the amount of games left.
1: Darren Millar joins us here from Vegas Golden Knights, and, and Darren, allow me to apologize for Adam for um, for using Christmas as the arbitrary marker. We forgot to wish you a Happy Boxing Day. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, I was trying to explain somebody's Boxing Day
3: uh, yesterday. And they had no idea what I was talking about. I said, basically, it's Black Friday at Thanksgiving for Americans. It's when we take everything back and we get big sales in Canada and the Commonwealth. The Great Britain, uh, the UK, celebrates Boxing Day as well. So, uh, but like uh, like any good Canadian, I've adopted your ways of life to go along with mine, and it gives me double the fun and double the pleasure of Thanksgiving.
1: So we should have just assumes that boxing day was not a real holiday all along that it's just for Canadians to uh, to, to play around for the day after Christmas or are you just you' just milking it for another day off
3: yeah we're, we're smart we're, we're taking advantage of, of an extra day away and shortening that gap between Christmas and New Year's and it what that really does allow you to do is if it falls on like it does this year uh, during the the weekend that you can stretch that thing out to a whole week off and and not feel guilty at all we 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 Canadians we may be really polite, but we're also really smart.
2: <laughs> I, I agree. Also, very nice for the most part. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, I, uh, this uh, this conversation uh, might be the exception of it with the controversy over the cheeses. Sure.
2: Uh We we are very polite and nice. Yeah. Why Why is it every time I've gone to Canada, just su- such niceness everywhere? Why?
3: uh because we're usually frozen from a winter and we're just happy to see anybody okay. outside like because i'm i'm taking into consideration that you're not coming to my house because i don't know you Fair. so i'm probably meeting you somewhere out and about and i'm happy to be out and about as i say about mm-hmm. uh the uh, the canadian way and uh and i'm just happy to be uh to be going uh, I, I have a, i have a little bit of a story for you guys though do a okay. drive time for 30, 30 seconds here absolutely so I'm at Crypto.com tonight. Normally, we do the Darren Elliott night, do the games from City National Arena inside Studio 31. Uh, but uh, there was an issue with the cyclone bomb, uh, ironically named Elliott, uh, over the course of the week. You know, all the travel mess all over the world, uh, North America. Uh, the cyclone bomb dropped the temperature, and our master control for at and Sportsnet is located in Denver. That's where the producer, the director, everybody is in Denver. And the control room is, and Darren Elliott and I are at City National Arena. While there was a big flood at our studio in Denver, the control room is, I don't know whether it's half-fried, mildly fried, drying out, whatever, but they can't use it. So I get to go on the road for a couple of days and hang out. Uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of nice, although I do miss my buddy Darren Elliott.
2: Worst places to be than L.A. also. Yeah,
3: I know. It was, there was a slight drizzle as I walked over across L.A. Live, and I thought, I can handle this. It's good. Get to see some of my buddies uh, in and around uh, L.A. and Anaheim tomorrow, so it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good day. Nice. I and, may even stop for some Cheez-Its and, and really crank. Whoa, don't, don't whoa, 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 whoa. Go to, go
2: to Disneyland. Have a good time there tomorrow. That'll be fun. Uh, what Just uh, what do we know about the, the health status of some of the guys with the Golden Knights? I mean, uh, obviously, you know, Jack Eichel and Che and, yeah. and guys that they are trying to get back. Where, where are we on some of those guys right now?
3: Well, I, I, with with an Eichel, uh, I think uh, probably a Paul Cotter. Uh, you put uh, a Marshso in, in that mix. Uh, I don't think it's longer term. Uh, I don't know whether any of them are going to play tonight. Uh, I don't think Eichel's going to play tonight, uh, or or a Cotter. Marceau, uh came out the last game. Um, it doesn't sound like he's going to uh, go tonight, but, uh, but I think those are ones that are closer to the horizon. Uh, Shea Theodore was listed as, uh, as week-to-week. Uh, that was about three weeks ago. Week-to-week, uh, week is I, I usually err on the side of caution on that one to be a month, and we're not quite there yet. And, and we know Zach Whitecloud's month-to-month, uh, month, but we'll be back by the end of the year. But uh, And and Brett Howden is in that mix. Brett Howden's been gone, and it's been really quiet on that front, uh, too. But I would think that, uh, that an Eichel, that a Cotter, that uh, that a Marcheseau so would be uh, the first guys that I would circle as to being Back, but I wouldn't expect them. Uh, certainly not tonight, and uh, I don't expect them tomorrow night. And on
1: downtown Los Angeles, Cole's French Dip. That's my recommendation to you. I don't know if you'll be able to get there. I don't know if you've been there before, but it's outstanding. I have got to say, I would, I would guess nine times out of ten, I come on
3: this show with you, and uh, I get some kind of uh, recommendation.
1: Uh, yeah, it was it was Stockman's up in uh, in in Missoula last yeah. time, which I know Dar- I nailed. All right, Darren Millard, have fun in L.A. We'll talk to you tonight.